Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account, and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Now, sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy today's episode. Yay! Okay, so hi everyone. Happy Monday. Happy Post Mother's Day Monday. <laughs> I'm here with Carrie Clinky today. Mm-hmm. Carrie is our, how should I call you? Our homeschooling coach. I referred yeah. to you that way in, in um, the Align Chiropractors group recently. And I was like, I don't know if that's what she would call herself. <laughs> yeah, learning coach, homeschool coach. Um, either it's, it's hard to really tell what I name, what I do, but learning coach or homeschool coach are the best that I've come up with so far. Cool. Okay. I can, I can relate to that too, because, um, I started my current business, uh, five years ago and, and throughout those five years, what I refer to myself as has changed and it just recently changed again. I was like, yeah, it's probably going to change again in the future. (laughs) It's never (laughs) settled. Okay. So share a bit more about you and your family, and then we'll talk more about what you do and why we're talking today about all the things we're going to talk about. Wonderful. My name is Carrie Clinky, and I have been in education for just under 30 years, um, which is a little bit embarrassing to say. Almost. I think I'm at like 28 years that I have been in education in some point. Now, some of that was during college, um, but I have been very active in education for that long. So it's hard to believe when I claim that I'm only 28 years old. But I do have, I do have an almost 19 year old. So that kind of shoots the whole I'm 28 out of the water. That doesn't work for me anymore. Be a little bit tough. Um, I am the mom of four kids. I have, as I said, I have three daughters and a son. My oldest will be 19 and has just completed her first year of college. And then I have a 15, a 14 year old girl. And then I have an almost 11 year old son. All of my children have been homeschooled from the beginning, even though I have worked in public and private schools, I've run a, um, I don't know if I should say the name, but an educational learning center, a commercial educational learning center for three and a half years. And then I am also trained as a vision therapist. So I bring all of that knowledge and experience in to help homeschoolers, especially those that might learn outside of the box. They don't learn in a typical traditional book way. That's kind of where I shine is when a student is struggling in some way, figuring out what is the root and then helping that student find success. That's kind of where I get really excited. For people that don't know, can you explain a bit about what vision therapy is? I can. Vision therapy is when a lot of people think of vision therapy or as vision as a 2020 eyesight or when you need glasses. And that is just a small, tiny part of your visual system. So when your vision your, when your eyes and your brain are not communicating the way they're supposed to be, then that's going to mess up a lot of other things and how you perceive and interpret the world. So vision therapy um, works with things like it's, it's interconnected with your vestibular system. Um, we do a lot with primitive reflexes and um, just it's, it's a more holistic way of looking at things, but there are a lot of kids or a lot of people, but especially students who will be able to look at 
something on paper, they have 2020 vision, they don't need glasses, or they have glasses and that's supposed to correct everything, but they see words and the words go like this for them. Or they see everything double, side by side. Some see double, top and bottom. All of those are deficiencies or discrepancies in the visual system. So as a vision therapist, the, the doctor tells me, okay, this is what's going on. And then I use prescribed exercises and that type of thing to help the brain, retrain the brain to take in the information coming in through the eyes. It's interesting because as you're describing it, I'm realizing for the first time that I do this, this isn't the first time I've realized I do this, but like, oh, maybe I needed vision therapy or still could benefit from it. But I have a tendency to read from right to left or from bottom up. And even if I'm reading like a magazine, I want to start at the back and then go towards the front. And I want to go like the complete opposite of from left to right, top down. I want to go from like bottom up, right to left. And it gets, we, it's okay if I'm reading a magazine, <laughs> like if I'm skipping right. through it, right? But like where it gets really frustrating is if I'm reading something like a textbook, for example, I got through school by hardly ever reading the textbooks because it would take me so long to actually read and comprehend what I was reading because mm-hmm. my brain wanted to go the other way. And I had to force myself to like, and I had to use my finger to go in order of what the words were supposed to be read in (laughs) fun stuff. So, okay. So you are trained in education and and vision therapy. You've worked in public school. You've worked in private school. You've worked in an education center. Why did you choose to homeschool your kids? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my original plan when I went, to college and became a teacher my plan was to um teach and then when I had children home when the kids were little and then when my youngest went to kindergarten I would go back to teaching that was kind of the Carrie Quincy plan in her brain and um I did have to go back to work for a little while after my first daughter was born and then when my second daughter was on the way I, I just had this longing to be home. Um, and I had worked with so many of the different school districts. And even when I was in a very conservative private school in the South, I was in trouble a lot as a teacher. Um, because I wanted to do what was right for the student. I didn't care about the regulations. I didn't care about what the policy was. I cared about getting the student what the student needed. My hands were tied and I stuck the system. So then when we moved back to the Midwest, when I was working with all of the school districts in the area, it just became clear to me that I was going to be that mom that all of the teachers hated because I was going to be in their face. And I was like, that's not good for me that's not good for them and that's not going to be good for my kids so while we were living in the south I was introduced to a whole new picture of what homeschooling could look like um, different than what I knew it to be like from the early 80s and so I started kind of saying this might be a good solution for us and when I started it was let's see how this goes this year and then we'll reassess next year after a few years it was kind of like nope I'm all in and that is why yeah sort of same for me I felt like so we're in our third school year of homeschooling and um I felt like it was a lot of stuff had unfolded for me around learning about institutionalized education versus how kids naturally learn and the different Mm -hmm. types of learning styles. And the more I learned about that, the more I was like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me to have them sitting in a classroom all day, especially at that time, my kids were just five and two. (laughs) And, um, and I kind of just like try to stay normal, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> my husband wasn't quite on board with homeschooling 
Um, when we were kids, the only homeschool kids that we knew, he and I grew up in the same town, so we've known each other forever. But the only homeschool kids that we knew were, um, they were weird. They were socially (laughs) awkward. Um, there were, there was a family that lived right behind us. So our backyards had the same fence. And if my mom came outside, she always complimented about how she'd go outside and she would say hi to them as she was like hanging our laundry out to dry. And they would run away like they were scared of her. I don't know if they were scared of her, but that was her perception. So that was what I thought of as um, homeschooled kids up until the time that as a mom, I started learning about, like I said, institutionalized education, essentially. My husband's perception at that time was still like where mine had been previously. Um, And then additionally, as a business owner, I mean, the big reason that I own my own business is because I want to do things my own way. And I don't want to be told when I have to be somewhere or where I have to be. So, <laughs> so it, it just felt like, well, duh, like why would we be up extra early in the morning every day and drag my kids out of bed and like prop their eyelids open with two pigs and get them dressed and get them to school when they really should still be sleeping. Cause our bodies are telling me they should still be sleeping. So I got to a point where I was trying to follow along. I was trying to behave and like do what everyone else was expecting me to do. And then I just jumped off of the cliff and I was like, I don't care what anyone says. I can't, I can't keep taking my kiddo into school every day and having her picking her up with candy that she's never had before that she got for a reward for good behavior and I'm like, oh, the work that I've done to help her have good, healthy habits has been undone. And then we got the donut fundraiser flyer. And I was like, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled my kids out of school on a Friday. I sent a um, message to the school on Monday. And I was like, we won't be back. And and, and I stated the state statutes and <laughs> the laws in our state <laughs> around our rights to do so and what we needed to do. I lined it all out for them. And they were just like, okay. And my husband said, this is going to cause us to get divorced. And I was like, you know what? If that's If that's how you really feel, you can go ahead and quit your job and you can take them to school every day because I'm not doing it anymore. I was like, that. I had reached, I had gone crazy, essentially, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm glad that I did looking back on it. Anyway, at the time that we started homeschooling, I was like really trying to figure out what's our long-term plan. And I just realized, okay, we're just going to do this for this year and see like, how does this work? And then the second school year was starting to approach. And I was like, I don't know, there's a part of me that could like have them go back to school because I really need more time by myself, but it doesn't feel like it aligns with my values. And now here we are in our third year and I'm like, they're probably most likely never going back (laughs) to an institutionalized education setting, unless one of my kids really mounts a strong case. Otherwise, like they'd have to really, they'd have to like hold up their debate in a courtroom with me essentially, because (laughs) they would have a hard time changing my mind at this point. And just so you know, you might face that. I actually faced it when, when they get to teenagers. Yeah. Um, But there are, you know, I hold true to the fact that they can, they have input, but we have more knowledge. We have more experience and God gave us the wisdom to parent them. And so, you know, sometimes they come up with some pretty good arguments. And so my kids have, you know, slayed me on a couple of things. But um, going back to, you know, the institution of of school, a a box school is not happening. (laughs) It is not for their best. So let's switch gears a bit and talk about some of the things we talked about last week when we were having a conversation that wasn't recorded, which was the moment where I was like, oh, we need to share this with more families. (laughs) Let's talk a bit more about what you're seeing happen for families right now who are working from home, trying to keep their kids on track with their um, homework assignments and the, the concerns that you have about what you're seeing. So I am seeing, um, and, and some of it is people coming to me 
to talk to me about how needing help. And some of it is just, you know, even what I'm seeing through my Facebook feed, you know, the parents that are frustrated and not sure what to do. And my intent is to never bash public school school teachers. The job that they do, um, it is hard. And it was hard uh, 20, 20, um, 20 plus years ago um, when I was getting in trouble. And when, and it has changed so much now, and there are so many more restrictions on teachers that I want to preface that. I admire what teachers do. I considered going back um, a few years ago, and I was just like, no, I can't. So I want to hold them with respect. But at the same time, I think a lot of the school systems right now are frantic. They don't know what to do, and they don't know how to handle this. So instead of backing off, they're upping the ante. They, they're like piling stuff on the kids. And I've just made a plea, please reconsider. Go back to your child development training and your learning and your education and remember what these kids need because I'm seeing moms and dads and then the kids reaching frustration levels where they're just ready to throw everything away and at some point well and in some ways I think that's probably exactly what we need to do is throw away all of the educational stuff right now because the core or the, the most important part of a being is your mind, body, spirit. And if your mind, body, spirit is not healthy, and if you're not in a good place, then it, I don't care how much homework you're doing. I don't care how much stuff you're reading. I don't, you know, how many math problems you're trying to do. Your brain is not going to comprehend and absorb that material. And that's just creating more stress. And that stress is going to have long-term effects. Our bodies were made with a fight or flight. When we're in a stressful situation, we go into that. We're either going to fight or we're going to fly. And right now, whether you realize it or not, because what we're dealing with is not normal, it's not anything, at least for Americans, but I would venture to say across the world, it's not a normal way to live. And so we're, our nervous systems are like, what are we doing? And that's just creating more tension. And I think it's going to have lasting effects if we don't turn this around and really care for our kids where they need to be. I was just working through Hans Selye's general adaptation syndrome a few days ago. And there are three phases. Are you familiar with it? So the first phase is the acute phase, which is we're kind of now like the dog. (laughs) He's just driving me crazy. That's why I keep muting myself because he's marking so much. Um, The first phase is the acute phase, which like in regard to what we're experiencing right now, we're kind of now getting into a subacute phase, but the acute phase is when there's a, a new stimulus to your nervous system and your endocrine system where you're like, Oh, okay. I have to run. I have to fight or I have to freeze. And, and unfortunately, even before a pandemic was declared, a lot of us were living lifestyles that were putting us mm-hmm. into the phase two and phase three already for a very long time. Phase two is when you go into resistance and your cortisol levels are really high. Mm-hmm. And then phase three is the exhaustion phase where your body has just said, I can't keep doing that. So it stops. So then you can't respond to the stress. And unfortunately now when our kids are in this heightened acute um, stressful situation, they're going to go into the resistance phase and the body is going to be making more and more and more cortisol to respond to the stress, but they're going to be, they're going to be like primed to enter into the exhaustion phase much more easily than they would be otherwise. And they're right. And they're so young that that it's prepping them to continue on that path and learning that that, and this is a phrase that I absolutely despise that I keep hearing is the new normal. Well, if that becomes the new normal for our kids, then golly, we're, I, 
I don't mean to be like catastrophizing anything or, you know, being more dramatic than we need to be, yeah. but it's going to have a lasting effect on, on our kids and on this generation as, you know, moving forward if we don't take care of them. And like with everything, I mean, this was a possibility before, like I said, before a pandemic was declared, but now it's a very heightened situation. So we, it, when, you're, when you're in the situation, it's like you may not be able to see the long-term effects from it, but you're not supposed to because your nervous system is just surveying right now for what's dangerous around you and keeping you safe in the stressful event that's happening. And then you just keep responding that way as if you're in that stressful event, not able to think about the long term, not able to think about the consequences, not able to make better decisions. And you're just like fighting right. <laughs> or, or running away if you, or wishing you could run away right. <laughs> or right. <laughs> closing the door and just shutting everything out. And like, you can't even deal with it anymore. The freeze of the fight, fight or freeze, right? So, um, yeah, I don't think that I had really thought about it in the in that way until we talked about it last week. I've been telling people how you respond right now to the situation is how your kids will learn to respond to a crisis in the future. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really thought through the nuts and the bolts of what's happening in their nervous system and their endocrine systems right now that is really conditioning them to be mm-hmm. more stressed out for the rest of their lives, potentially, unless we right. calm down now. So let's transition then to talking about what you think families can do. What can they do differently maybe now in this situation? Okay. If they're in a situation where they are um, doing distance learning and communicating with the teachers, I strongly encourage you to reach out to the teachers and say, hey, this is too much um, if you're feeling like they are loading it on. I am hearing reports that more and more teachers and school districts are saying, okay, we need to back off. And for that, I am so grateful. But if they haven't yet, if you're still facing that, reach out to them. What a lot of people don't understand is that you as the parent still have the authority over your child's education. You have say over what the school does for and with your child. The, the, the state does not own your child. The state does not have ultimate authority over your child. You do as a parent. So that is first and foremost. If you see something that is harmful or affecting your child negatively, speak up and you can say enough. Um, they're not gonna kick you out of school. They might make your life rough, but they don't have any real authority to do anything when you're looking out for your child's best interest. The other thing is, as we're wrapping this up, find as much fun as you can find. Enjoy, you know, I know that there is stress, especially if you... um, you know, if you have your own business and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? And this is how I provide for my family. A lot of what I had done, I was switching to doing more online, but I am very much a people person and I like to see faces and, you know, be right there with people. Um, and so a lot of what I did was in person. And so I've had to pivot and, and the stress that comes along with that. But if in as much as you are able to relax and know that it's going to be okay, we're, we're smart people. <laughs> we can figure this out. Um, and I love the quote by Marie Forleo, that everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. We can all figure this out. We just have to open our minds. Work is it's stressful, it's hard, but as much as possible, lay that down. I recommend, um, like some of the things is I recommend block scheduling or goal scheduling. And when you're not in that block for what you're doing, let it go. 
you have to let it go. Let your mind leave that there. You, you have it scheduled. You know when you're going to be working on it. And then you can move on and focus completely on your kids and what they're doing and fully engage. If you're still on your phone, if you're doing all of this other stuff, or if you're stressing about getting this in or that in, just let it go <laughs> and take a really deep breath because in the long run, that's one of the best things you can do. I tell people, get outside, dig in the dirt, read books, extra snuggles, learn to bake a cake, pick, you know, a country that they'd like to learn about, find a recipe, do that in the kitchen. Um, you know, look at Pinterest, but don't hold yourself to the Pinterest standard. Okay, if it's a Pinterest fail, it's still okay. It's still memories. It's still an experience that your children are going to love and remember. And they're going to remember that over the stress and it's much healthier for them. So just those are my biggest things right now is the other thing I, that makes me sad is that people are kind of in a survival mode. And when you're in that survival mode, that's also trauma. And there's no reason for us to be in survival mode, at, especially for our kids. Yeah. Our kids need to not be in survival mode when their brains are still developing and they are developing at rapid rates in you know, these school age years. And so every day is important. That doesn't mean you have to hit the academics every single day. It means you have to be developing how you process information and how you relate to others and how you enjoy and live without sounding cliche, but how do you live a big life? How do you live a happy, full life? And it's often in, in the fun things. And those are the things that they're gonna remember and the amount of learning that actually takes place when you're doing those fun things, especially when they're really young, it's huge. That's how they should be learning in those early years. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we implement block learning, block learning, um, time blocking. <laughs> Where did block learning come from? Time blocking in the Aligned Women program. Um, so that it helps women to be able to work both on their business and in their practice with their patients, which is like when you're first introduced to the idea, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what? <laughs> but the key right. thing about time blocking is to, it, it's essentially setting a boundary. It's like, this time is for this. Mm -hmm. And I understand you have that request of me right now, but that the time that I work on that is on this day at this time, it's really about being able to say no <laughs> to things that just like come up and pull you away and distract you from what it is you actually need to be doing or want to be doing right now, which I mean, hello, that this is the time for us to really be paying attention to what is not just urgent, but important right now. Right. Right. Um, I was thinking about this as you were talking about deadlines and like getting things turned in on time and staying on track with the assignments that all those things are arbitrary and they were essentially mm -hmm. all made up by somebody at some point. And maybe you could talk more about this um, from an educator's standpoint that those guidelines, those timeframes may not necessarily be what's actually best for your own child, period, end of story especially right now. Right. It is important. I think, um, I think we in, you know, there are deadlines that I have, like if I don't pay my electric bill by a certain deadline, they're <laughs> yeah, not going to be course. happy and there's <laughs> going to be a negative consequence. Yeah. So learning that there are certain boundaries that um, are important is something that our kids need to learn. Um, I often say that, you know, we have to teach our kids to obey because it's for their, their, their safety. If they don't learn to listen to you when you say stop 
and they went out in the street and you see the bus coming, it could be tragic. And I know that that's a really blown, kind of blown out of proportion analogy, but they have to learn that when you say stop, it means stop. When you say go, it means go. But at the same time, like you said, yes, things like turning in an assignment when it's like a fine line because they need to learn that there are parameters but in a time like right now, those parameters don't matter. Like those, that needs to disappear because that's not the priority. That's not what we're trying to teach at this time. What is important to focus on, I, again, I kind of feel like a broken record, but it's, it's the heart, it's the mind, it's the mental health of our kids that is going to carry them on so that later they can process, you know, crazy, crazy life. They can, they can process that stuff and work in an efficient way and, and in a healthy way and not be lashing out, you know, to others or shut down. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why I say if, if the school is, is putting those parameters on and, and wanting this stuff to be done. I, my kids are still doing their math. Our schedule has not changed a whole lot because it's been the schedule that we have had. But in the big scheme of things, if your kid is not at school and, and all of these other things have changed, I really don't care if they can work on multiplication right now. Like it's just not a big deal than feeling loved and safe. And, you know, I, it's one of those things where the, the trauma is real and what we're dealing with is, is just crazy. I mean, when you look, I don't know how familiar, familiar you are with um, adverse child experiences the ACEs, but there's a whole new study and a whole new um, discipline, I guess, I'll call it, researching that. And if a student has more than four of these ACEs, then they are more likely to be divorced, have alcohol abuse, drug abuse, mental illness, you know, and there's this whole list of things that studies have now shown contribute to that. Well, what we're in is definitely one of those experiences. So as parents, we can come in and love and support them so that we can ward that off. Um, and getting a math paper done is not worth the long-term effect of that stress. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and when we had this conversation last week, you and I, like I said before, we talked about most of this stuff. We just weren't recording it at the time. Um, you really helped me reset expectations I have for one of my kiddos who is, she's not even a, at an age yet where she has to legally be attending school or have hours logged. But yet I was mm-hmm. expecting her to like start working toward these specific benchmarks that she doesn't want to do. And we were in this dance, her and I have like, I want you to do this. You're supposed to be doing this and supposed to, according to whoever. Right? And, um, and she's telling me no. And she's not just telling me no, because she's a brat. <laughs> That's not it. She's telling me no in uncertain terms, essentially like not by saying, no, I'm not going to do that, but by, um, appearing to be distracted, appearing to want, like want to do everything else besides this one thing. And what she is saying without saying it is she's just not ready yet. But yet I was like, Oh my gosh, we've got to do this. And you like, I need you to follow along. I need you to pay attention. I need you to look at these words. I need you to pay attention <laughs> like over and over with her every day. And when we talked last week, I was like, Oh yeah, wait a minute. This is why I chose to homeschool her because she's not going to fit into that kind of box. And when I did try to put her in that box, it was really, really, really stressful for her. And then I had kind of recreated the experience now 
almost three years later, I was just like, so thankful to have that moment where you helped me reset the expectations and not just for like today or next week, but like when you said it might be a year or two before she's ready, I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) I hadn't seen that. But um, even though I've looked a lot at how education can vary and like what alternative education perspectives are, I still found myself in that situation where I was like mm-hmm. trying to essentially force her to do things that she just might not be ready to do yet. So I feel like that's another, another thing too, that parents are experiencing. They're feeling afraid that their kids are going to fall behind behind what who knows. Right. Well, and if they are planning on having their children go back into, you know, the school system, whenever the schools open back up, you know, and I've heard all sorts of different things about what that expectation might be. Um, you know, there is that feeling of they're going to be behind and then they're going to hold them back. And, you know, there's a whole lot right now that doesn't make a ton of sense and doesn't follow logically. But when I look at it logically, as an educator, there is no way they can fail a whole generation of kids. Like, what are they going to do? Fail everybody? Okay, so what is the long-term effect going to be of that? I mean, let's just think about this. You know, education, a lot of education is based on science and based on neurology and based on you know, the, the science of how we learn kind of feel like we've maybe lost sight of some of that, at least in the U.S., for how we learn and how we're doing school. Um, but the truth of the matter is when the, when the brain is ready, the brain is going to learn. If there are other issues and we need to find out what those root issues are, let's get, you know, and, and this analogy just came to me, and I'm not an artist, so this may, you know, artists out there might be saying, like, okay, she's bad. But I know enough, like, when you do watercolor, you have to put something on the watercolor paper for it to absorb the paint to create what you want it to create. If you're doing oil painting, there's a special something that you put on the canvas for it to absorb the paint so that it gives you the, the intended creative outcome. Our brains are like that. We have to give it the foundation. We have to give it what it needs in order for it to absorb the information and it to absorb the knowledge and the, and the ability to think and process and, you know, use logic to go through the learning process. If we're stressed and we're doing all of this other stuff, that's not going to happen. When you're in a place where you can give that foundation, the brain and the body and all of that is working the way it's supposed to be, learning will happen. So again, it's a take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily look like what you always thought it looks like. And education certainly does not fit in a box because we're not, we're not pegs. We're not pegs. We don't fit into, we don't all fit into you know, this pretty little package. We're 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 different and, and neurology is diverse and learning is diverse. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and and that's that's kind of my anthem is I promise it's going to be okay. But we have but it's going to be okay as long as we take care of the hearts and the minds of our babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. That's a really important point. Um, I had a conversation this morning with another um, entrepreneur who homeschools her kids. And she said, it's just right off the bat. It was our first conversation. She was like, so yeah, this is not normal what we were experiencing. And I was like, you know, she said the first few weeks people were saying, oh, so I guess nothing has really changed for you. And I said, actually the first few weeks, not much had really changed for us, except for we didn't have to go to soccer. We didn't have to go to dance and classes that one of my kiddos was doing in person with you was online instead. And she was actually happy to not go to soccer. Unfortunately, (laughs) fortunately, I don't know. Um, So that wasn't something that was upsetting to her. 
But then as the weeks have gone on, now they're like, wait a minute, we don't even go to the store anymore because I we haven't taken them to the store. I'm not afraid of them getting sick. I actually am more concerned about them experiencing that sense of heightened fear that you feel when you walk into a store yeah. lately. And, yeah. and just the whole dynamic of like, are we wearing a mask? Are we not wearing a mask? And other people's perceptions and then keeping them appropriately away from other people to accommodate <laughs> their sense of safety. I'm just like, no, we're just, I'm just not ready to deal with all of that yet. And I feel like that would actually be traumatizing to them. Yeah. So instead they've been home. They have gone to the park, although we can't play on the playgrounds and there's plenty of space for them to play outside here. And there are neighbors nearby that they see and talk to but it's not normal for them, what they're experiencing. It's really not normal for them. So I feel this strange push and pull between like, oh, thank goodness we were already homeschooling before this happened. And also, oof, this is not even normal for homeschooling families. And I'm concerned about families who are, who have been thinking about homeschooling. Um, And maybe they're like where I was, where they're, they're learning more and more about how kids nervous systems work, how developmentally they don't fit in boxes and they are feeling like, okay, homeschooling seems like a better option so that we have more flexibility, but I also run a practice. How would I do both? There's that part of the puzzle. And then they're experiencing distance learning right now. And they're thinking, oh no, I can't do this. So forget, nope, we can't homeschool because I can't do this. That's where I'm like, this is not okay. Because <laughs> distance learning and no. homeschooling are not equivalents to each no. other. No, no. Crisis quarantine schooling, regardless of how you're doing it, is not homeschooling. <laughs> it, it's not. And like you said, what we are doing, I mean, my kids are, my kids are older. So we're in a routine. They are mostly independent. Um, so they're well, now, along. but they weren't always. <laughs> but exactly, exactly, absolutely, they weren't always. So for us right now, it's it's pretty automated. But even so, like I shared with you last week, even so, my kids were just and we had to have a family meeting, and you know, yeah, it, it got a little meeting. bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I let my. I don't allow my kids to say this sucks. I just don't like how it sounds for my kids. But last week I told them this sucks. And they kind of looked at me like, what did mom just say? And uh, I made them scream it. And, you know, by the end we were laughing, but they needed to address the fact that even as homeschoolers, what we're experiencing is not normal. Those that are doing distance learning and may have multiple teachers emailing and Zoom calls and this and that is not normal. And that is not equivalent to homeschooling at all. And depending on how your child learns, there is a plethora of options of finding what works for your student, your family, your dynamic. Um, and the beauty of homeschooling is that you are deciding how that works. You are deciding how your schedule fits. It's not necessarily someone else saying, okay, this is what time you have to be on here. Now, like with my classes, I say, if you want my class, this is what time you have to be there. But you are still making that choice that that's something that's important in your schedule and you still have control over that. Um, and so, yeah, what is happening now, distance learning is absolutely not, not homeschooling. <laughs> I had a close friend about two years ago mention to me with the best intentions that I had created um, a culture for women in chiropractic specifically where homeschooling was the standard much as um, breastfeeding might be the standard, home birth might be the standard, um, that if you don't do those things, you're not doing it the right way. So mm-hmm. I think that what I want to wrap up on is that as we've talked about um, the differences between uh, public and private school and homeschooling and the, the, um, the heightened stress that you might be experiencing right now with distance learning and even also homeschooling, um, that 
there's no one right way to educate your kids. First and foremost, make sure that what you're doing is actually in alignment with your values. And for me, the more I learned about, I keep calling it institutionalized education because to me that's what it is. <laughs> the more I learned about the like the roots of it and um, the future of it, I was just certain that when, when I listened to my intuition, it was like screaming at me, get your kids out of there, get your kids. And I was like, no, 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 no. Can't, I have to be normal. <laughs> and to really, um, to really make that change meant I had to do a lot of um, self-acceptance and I had to also really work to get my husband on board, which was not an easy process. And in fact, I didn't get him on board until about a year and a half into homeschooling. And now he like, he'll sit by me and he's like, he kind of laughs in a way where he looks back and he's like, yeah, you know, this really was the right thing <laughs> for our kids. And I really am glad that we, that we have our kids at home. And I really do think that this is what's best for them. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I just smile. I'm, like, I'm just happy that we're on the same page now, but it wasn't always easy. So my point in sharing this is that I don't want someone to feel as if like, if you're not homeschooling your kids, you're not a good enough chiropractor. You're not crunchy enough. Right. You're not holistic enough. Right. But that if you have that same sense that I had, and maybe you as well, Carrie, where it's like, I know this is what's best for our family. And yet I don't know how it's all going to work out, that it's okay. You don't have to know how it's all going to work out. You just take one step forward at a time. You reach out to someone like Carrie for help, (laughs) (laughs) which I didn't do until I think it was our second school year. This is Allison's second year with you. Yeah. So yeah, it was our second school year of homeschooling. Um, and, And just take it one step at a time. Yeah. Okay. So what do you have coming up for families that um, are either homeschooling now or want to be in the future? Because now that they've got their kids out of school and they're considering like some changes that might be happening to legislation in various states across the country in regard to medical freedom and, and your choices, they're like not wanting to really take their kids back into school, but they're not certain what to do or how to do it. What do you have coming up for those kinds of families? I have two different workshops coming up. Um, one is to is just a basic get started kind of homeschool 101. And that is open to, you know, all, all levels, whatever, you know, even if you're considering it and you still have preschoolers just kind of getting an idea, ways to start thinking about it. And then some of the things to look at when the home, with homeschooling. And then, um, the other one is for high school because homeschooling high school is a whole other animal. Um, still not difficult, but guidance is help is is beneficial to just kind of know how to navigate through that. And so I have two free workshops coming up. Um, I have to get the date definitive. I have to confirm those dates. They will probably be happening in the next week or so. And then on the tail end of that, it will be launching into a membership support group in both of those areas. One will primarily be like a K-8, and then one will be for a high school level. And it will just be monthly mentoring, support, community, and um, one-on-one access to me to kind of help you through those processes. And when you are having one of those days where you're like, ah! I can't do it. I'm done. (laughs) I can kind of talk you off the bridge and say, okay, let's find out what's going on. Why are you feeling that way? And bring everything back into that piece that we need for learning. So those are my two biggest things. If things open up enough, those local to me, every summer I offer day summer camp. um, And we have some fun things planned this summer, but don't know yet if those are going to be allowed to happen so we'll we'll see yeah okay so if someone wants to know more about the workshops that you have coming up where's the best place for them to go um now to get more information 
right now, the best place would be on Facebook and Clinky and the Brain. There is my business page is there, and I will be posting um, the signups for the workshop and that kind of thing, as well as different information to help you get through. You can also email me at clinkyandthebrain at gmail.com. And um, those are probably the two best ways right now. And then as I get more information and other things more confirmed, everything will be posted on that Clinky and the Brain Facebook page. Awesome. Okay. Carrie, thank you so much for being willing to do this with me today. When I messaged you, it was like Thursday last week. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we've got to talk more about this. And we've got to share this with more people. Um, and then here we are today. So we made it happen really yeah. quickly. <laughs> and thank I'm just you. also thank excited to help more, more um, families know that they have support options. And that like, just because you decide to be a homeschooling family doesn't mean you've got to just go it on your own and do it all by yourself, but that there are people like you and there's lots of, actually there's lots of other programs out there too, that you can explore to figure out if they're the right fit for you or not. Right. Okay. So much. Thank you there. so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the aligned women podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the woman who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, or just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time freedom and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them, and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor. Be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.